Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher in New York. I want to thank everyone for all of your kind words about last week's interview with the great David Tuckman at Tuck on Sports on Twitter. Uh, Tuck is an absolute beast behind the microphone. I'm looking forward to all of his commentary in what we used to call the black booth at the Rio. I don't know what color the booth will be or if there will even be a booth this summer at the Horseshoe slash Bally's slash Paris slash whatever convention center, uh, whatever they're going to call it. And we don't know whether or not they're going to be charging for parking, which seems to be (laughs) what everybody's most concerned with as it relates to the new venue. But yeah, obviously Tuck is a great interviewer and a great interviewee. He was very open with me and always super engaging and very funny. And just, uh, I really enjoy speaking with him. So it means a lot to me that you guys enjoyed that interview as well. I want to start off this week by reading a tweet I got from a user called Zulran, Z-U-L-R-A-N. His Twitter bio, by the way, says, husband, dad, and grandpa, union plumber, poker enthusiast, and getting more and more liberal in my thinking as I get older. He tweets, just started listening to your podcast, and I'm impressed. Killed it in my first year in Michigan with legalized online poker, trying to work through a cold spell. So I signed up to Tournament Poker Edge. Uh, Look, I love this. I love hearing that you guys listen to the podcast and that you are inspired to join Tournament Poker Edge. And by the way, if you do that, make sure you use the promo code podcast at checkout so you can save $10 off of your first month's membership at TournamentPokerEdge.com. So Zulran, whose real name, by the way, is Andy, then tweeted me again a couple weeks later, Clayton, it was so cool. I won a WSOP circuit event. I had four bigger caches at BetMGM last year, but the ring is so cool. Love the show. So all I'm saying is if you join TPE, you too will win a circuit ring. So he sent me a screenshot And uh, it makes me so happy. Congratulations on your win. It looks like he came in first out of 167 players in a WSOP circuit event online last month. So congrats to Zulron, and I hope it's the first of many. Always great to hear about a grandpa taking down a circuit event online. So (laughs) that's so awesome. Uh, you know, a lot of you guys have also been tweeting about the uh, controversy lately with Bring Kenny and Frogs. And look, I don't really know anything other than what I have already said on this podcast. I don't want to rehash it again. We're not going to do an episode every week following the saga. I will say there is some new information, some supposed alleged receipts, evidence presented by. Martin, the main accuser in the Bryn Kenny case about, uh, you know, some screenshots that he shared where Bryn is talking openly about ghosting and multi-accounting and 
uh, all kinds of colluding and, and stuff like that. So, look, you guys can see all that for yourself. There seems to be some question about whether it's authentic or whether it was photoshopped. I mean, nowadays you can do pretty much anything with Photoshop. I don't want to really state any further opinions on this case, although I am watching it rather closely because Brink Kenny is number one on the all-time money list. And if it turns out that he's just a massive scumbag and a big cheater, uh, that could be kind of bad for the uh, image of the game, at least in the high-stakes community online. So we'll see. That's an ongoing issue. But, you know, last week we talked about day four. I had spoken with Tuckman briefly prior to our interview, and I thought that he was going to be talking about hands he had played on day three, because as you guys know, here on the podcast, we've been discussing the 2021 World Series of Poker main event in chronological order. And we were on day three, but we jumped ahead last week to day four. But I want to go back to day three because the day three is probably the most interesting day due to the fact that there is the dichotomy between the players who really, really, really want to cash in the main event and players like Chris Moneymaker, who wants to abuse those players who really, really want to cash in the main event. In some ways, it's the biggest bubble of the year. Not biggest in terms of prize pool or dollar amount. It's just the biggest bubble in the sense that this is the tournament that everybody wants to play, and this is the tournament that everybody wants to be able to say, I cashed in the main event. So because of that, you get sort of two sides of the coin. You've got the players that are willing to fold pretty big or very big hands. And then you've got the players who are trying to take advantage of them. As we watched Chris Moneymaker do on Poker Go in a very effective way. But then there's a third category of player, which is the players who actually can't handle the pressure of being near the money or being in the main event or having TV cameras in their face or whatever is causing the pressure, you will often see on day three bizarre plays involving a lot of chips that don't make any damn sense, aka blow-ups. So that's what I like to watch for when I'm checking out day three coverage. And uh, I'm going to be focusing on these personality types in the hands that we're going to talk about on this episode. So let's get into it. Right in the middle of day three, there are about 1,500 players remaining in the tournament and 1,000 players will make the money. And now the min cash in this tournament starts at $15,000. Of course, it's a $10,000 buy-in. So a lot of people are in this tournament on a satellite or on a free roll or they won their little bar league in Oklahoma, or whatever else is going on that causes all these people to converge on Vegas, uh, usually in the summer, but of course last year we know it was in November. But for some people, $15,000 is a great deal of money. For hardly anyone is it a completely insignificant amount of money. I mean, 15000 is 15000 right? But for some people they really, really want that money because if you got in on a free roll, just to be able to make it into the money and win 15000 means a lot. For those who ponied up 10000 of their own dollars, winning a prize of 15000 for a net profit of 5000 is probably not 
going to result in a huge popping bottles party at the Bellagio or something. So you've got to realize who is playing in the tournament at your table and make your adjustments accordingly. Apparently, Mr. Chris Moneymaker, you guys know Chris Moneymaker, the 2003 main event champion from Tennessee. Well, he came out swinging from the beginning of day three and basically was very open about the fact that he intended to take more than a few liberties. I think that he determined that many of the players at his table would uh, put a lot of value on just cashing in the tournament. And let's be honest, guys, like if you are taking ICM to the extreme or taking cashing in the main event to the extreme, I could literally show you seven deuce and you might not be able to call an all in with a hand like ace king because you know, even with seven deuce, I have something like 31% equity against your unpaired ace king before the flop. And so why would you want to take that kind of risk where I might just hit a deuce and then you're out of the tournament on the bubble and then you have to go cry about it to your friends or your wife or your girlfriend or whatever your bad beat support network happens to be. And so for many players, they just don't want to, to do that. So Moneymaker seems to have identified many such players at his current table. And so his strategy has been adjusted accordingly. And he is playing pretty fast and loose even though there's still 500 players that need to drop out of this thing before we even reach the money. But it is true that on day three, you can kind of smell it. Now, I've made day three three times out of the uh, nine times I've played in the main event. And day three does have a different kind of atmosphere. Players tend to go a little bit slower, much to my chagrin. Uh, everybody seems to feel like kind of the weight of is the bubble going to burst today usually it happens sometime after dinner on day three so everybody can sort of feel it and it's somewhat palpable in the air that that bubble is uh looming so in this hand the blinds are two thousand and four thousand with a four thousand big blind ante uh a nine-handed table uh chris moneymaker is under the gun with king of spades ten of spades so King 10 suited. Now, in my opinion, at a tough table or even probably a, an average table, I think this is a hand that you can go ahead and fold. I know that there are some solvers that debate whether King 10 suited, Jack 10 suited, Queen 10 suited, King Jack suited. These hands should be in our under the gun opening range or not. These hands may well be slightly profitable at a full ring and an average table. But if you have a tougher than average table, players behind you that are particularly loose or aggressive or both, uh, I think you can go ahead and fold these hands without sacrificing too much equity. So my standard play, you guys know I'm much tighter in early position than many of you and tighter than most of the solvers are recommending that we be. I have my own reasons for that. I tend to make up for it in late position by playing a lot more hands than many of you would. So my average is still in a healthy range, somewhere between not too tight and not too loose. But yeah, I would probably just fold this even on day three. But Moneymaker opens and he goes ahead and makes it 
9,000. So now Moneymaker at this point in the tournament is the overall chip leader. So the 2003 main event champion and the man that many credit for the poker boom of the early 2000s is now in good position to potentially make another very deep run and possibly even make another final table and maybe even be a two-time main event champion. Well, it's only day three. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Anyway, he makes it 9,000 under the gun. Everybody else at this table has between 95,000 and 175,000. Now, the average stack at this time is around 225,000, give or take 10 or 20,000. I'm just estimating because I'm also estimating approximately how many players were remaining in the main event at that point. So just based on some loose calculations, I determined that that approximate average stack right now is 225. Most of the players at this table are well below that. Uh, There are two exceptions besides Moneymaker with a million. There's also Omer Gabay with 370,000 and Osgur Sechelmish from Turkey with about 550,000. Every other stack at this table besides these three guys, the other six stacks are all below the average stack, which really shows how strongly Moneymaker has been playing and also how well he's been running. So we've got the under the gun open from Moneymaker. Now his M at this point is a 100. He's got 250 big blinds. It's a great feeling to have a big, big stack on day three of the main event when you're not worried about will I cash or will I not cash. It would basically take a major series of catastrophes for Moneymaker not to cash in this tournament, although of course it has happened. It is unlikely. So for all of these reasons, uh, you could justify Moneymaker opening with such a marginal hand from first position. So he's under the gun. He makes it 9,000. Fold to the player in fourth position, a.k.a. the low jack, and that is the aforementioned Osgur Sechelmish, sitting on a stack of 550,000, and he calls with the queen of hearts, ten of hearts. So no issue with that play. Uh, One fold, and then in the cutoff, we have a player by the name of Aaron Earthman. And now he is the short stack at the table with only 95,000 in his stack and the ace of hearts, king of hearts. So what a spot for Aaron Earthman. It goes raised from Moneymaker, who's been playing at least 60 to 70% of the hands, trying to be the big stack, bubble bully, whatever you want to call it. And then just a call from the low jack, Seshelmish, who is, uh, you know, fairly active himself. So now that it's on us in Earthman's shoes, what do we want to do with the ace-king suited? I mean, my opinion, guys, I just shove it right in here. You know, he's got 95,000. His M is 9.5. He's got 24 big blinds. Uh, Yeah, I see no issue with just sticking it in here. There's 28,000 in the middle, and I only have 95,000 in my stack. If I stick it in and win, I'm going to increase my stack by 30% almost with no flop at all. And, you know, who doesn't want to do that? 
I mean, generally, you're better off not seeing a flop with Ace-King, but if you do see a flop, you want to be sure to see the turn and river as well. And the only way to ensure that without any, you know, pumping the brakes is to just get it in right now. You could do a smaller raise. You could do, you know, things, but I don't see any reason to get cute right here. Uh, you know, probably most of the time against these two loose players, you're going to end up taking it down. You just really have to fade the fact that a loose player is allowed to have a hand once in a while. And also there are still obviously three more players yet to act on my left. So I'm willing to fade all of those possibilities and usually take it down. But if not, I get to see five cards with Ace-King suited and possibly more than double up. And I would have an average stack if I happen to get into a, an all-in pre-flop situation here and get called, then okay, fine. Maybe I'll win a coin flip against a hand like Pocket Tens. And at that point, I'll have an average stack with 1,500 players remaining in the main event. I don't see any reason to fool around with this one. I'm all in. However, Mr. Aaron Earthman decides to take a you know unorthodox approach and just call. So he's over calling now. Remember, Moneymaker raised it under the gun. Seshomish calls from the low jack. And now Earthman calls as well. And I don't get it. And I don't like it. Uh, my best explanation for this is he probably just wants to make sure that it's a good flop first and then maybe he can you know his hand is up underrepresented so maybe if moneymaker or something has like a ace 10 and it comes ace high then we can win a bigger pot i don't know i i just don't really understand the logic behind this overcall here with this stack size now you could justify it with a deeper stack if you really want to uh sure you can flat everything you have a, a hand that does well in multi-way pots due to the fact that it's suited and connected. I mean, I get all the, the arguments for doing that. You can make a flush when somebody else makes a lower flush. These are not our concerns when we have 24 big blinds. So next to act on the button is Omer Gabay. And I don't want to tell you what he has, but he three bets to 42,000 with... 327,000 more behind. So the three biggest stacks are all involved in this pot at this point, and the very shortest stack as well, who has underwrapped his ace-king suited. Uh, the small blind folds, and now the action is on our big blind, a player named Sanjeev Kapoor, who seems to love camera time. So this is the worst kind of player to watch on television. Uh, you have 7-5, dude. You're in the big blind. You've only got 179,000 in your stack. It's been raised and called twice and three bet. And this player, I am not joking, guys. He takes literally 42 seconds to fold 7-5 from out of the big blind in this situation. Now, this is unforgivable. Uh, this person is the worst player to watch on TV. I don't know what you're thinking about. I don't care what you're thinking about. Throw away your hand and let the people who have actually been dealt decent cards make their minds up. You had all this time while all these other players were figuring out what to do to look at your cards. Now you finally look at your cards. You see it's two napkins. Throw it in the muck. All right. 
Am I clear? <laughs> I, I be calling the clock on people too. I'm not afraid to be the guy who speaks up. Uh, you guys saw that in 2018 when I was on TV a lot, calling the clock on everybody. So especially when you're short stacked to begin with, just get out of there and let everybody else play. So he finally folds and so does everyone else all the way back to Aaron Earthman. So what should Aaron Earthman do? I think that I've never seen a bigger no-brainer in my life. Uh, this player, Gabay, has been fairly active at the table. Uh, it's not a coincidence, by the way, that the big, the three biggest stacks at the table, the only three players at this table of nine that had a stack that was above average, they've all been the most active, most aggressive players at the table. That's not a coincidence. Also, some other very other active, <laughs> other very active players have busted out of the tournament either on day one or two. So I'm not saying that being active doesn't have a downside, but I'm saying if you want to have a big stack in a tournament, you can't be throwing away premium hands like Ace King suited, which is what Aaron Earthman does. I've never seen a weaker line taken with Ace King suited in my entire poker life. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And he, he says before he folds, he said, you know, I'm either going to look like an idiot or a genius. Um, I think we know which one I think. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to call the guy an idiot. I think that he was really feeling the bubble and that's why he flat called in the first place. But you know what, guys, if you don't want to gamble, don't come to Vegas. If you're not going to put your chips in with Ace King suited, then, you know, stay home. And, you know, there's plenty of great activities for you to do. You know, my mother's doing something now that she doesn't play poker anymore. It's called diamond painting. You know, sit home and do some diamond painting. There's nothing wrong with not being a gambler, okay? I love my mother's diamond paintings, and your grandchildren will too. It's just, come on. What are we doing here, Aaron Earthman? He folds the ace king suited, and you know who gets to increase his stack by 37,000, which is more than 10%, is Omer Gabay with ace of spades, jack of clubs. Aaron Earthman passed on the spot of the year, day three of the main event. Ugh, with all that dead money and everything. I, All right, I'm not going to beat him up about it anymore. Let's do another hand. Later on, about 1,300 players left, and the blinds are now up to 2,500 and 5,000 with a 5,000 ante. A senior citizen by the name of Alan Krasowski opens to 10,500, so just one little chip above the min raise. I don't want to tell you what Alan Krasowski has yet in this hand, but he's got 35 big blinds, and his M is 14. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about this older gentleman. He has been all in many times already. And I don't know whether his opponents have gotten the reports, as, of course, the stream is on a 30-minute delay. But in many of the spots where he was all in, he was all in with hands that I don't think any solver would say he should have been, including in his eight times the pot over bet shoving all in range. So, uh, yeah, he has been, I think, the type that maybe just like the pressure of the moment has been getting to him a little bit, and he's shown a propensity for wild and loose overbets of the all-in variety. 
Uh, he's already done it two or three times at this point. So uh, I pretty much want to get in a pot with players like that if I'm at that table. And you might say, but that could be really dangerous, Clayton, because you might bust out of the main event. And look, guys, I am not afraid to bust out on day three. I bubbled the main event back in 2019. I mean, I didn't stone bubble it, but I, I busted out like maybe 100 or 200 players before the money. So uh, I'm not afraid to do that. I tend to play in the uh, style that Chris Moneymaker is uh, exhibiting in these hand examples. Uh, it's just more of my natural playing style. And because I see people willing to fold ace-king suited pre-flop, it's very hard for me not to <laughs> turn up the jets a little bit, so to speak. And so sometimes they run into hands they are willing to go all in with, and then I end up bubbling. And it happens to me not only in the main event, but in a lot of tournaments. My If you're going to bet on somebody to go out on or near the bubble, I'm a pretty good bet because I don't pay enough attention to ICM, as we have mentioned hundreds of times on the podcast. So uh, be that as it may, this guy, Krasowski, isn't exactly trying to be a big stack bully with his meager 175 stack. At this point, the average is probably up around 260 or 270. So... Uh, that's not what he's trying to do. You can't be a big stack bully unless you have a big stack. Uh, he just, I think that he's under pressure and he's feeling the moment and he wants to do, you know, make a big play on TV or, or whatever drives people to do things that they shouldn't. Or maybe that's just as good as he is at poker. Uh, and that's also fine. The main event is for everyone. And that's one thing I really love about it. So anyway, he is raising under the gun with a hand that I have yet to reveal. And the action folds all the way around to the small blind, who's an amateur player. His last name is DeStefano, and I did not write down his first name, and I'm sorry for that. I will tell you that Mr. DeStefano has 235,000, so just below an average stack. And he's also got the two black jacks. I believe we need to be three betting here, guys. I mean, there's 12,000. 500 in the pot as the cards are being dealt and now our much older opponent who has shown himself to be somewhat spastic has put in a raise under the gun we have him well covered we've got the fourth nuts and i think the right play given stacks is to try to get all in pre with this premium hand so i would opt for a three bet but mr de stefano just flats. And I guess that's okay, but you got to realize, again, we have an underrepped hand. And the big blind, who is Omer Gabay from the previous hand with 350 in his stack, calls with the ace of spades, deuce of spades. So we have an unknown hand under the gun, and now the small blind calling with jacks, and the big blind calling with ace deuce. The flop comes 7-6 tray rainbow with one spade and the action is on de stefano holding the over pair pocket jacks and he decides to check i think betting here would be okay uh if we get raised and re-raised then maybe we can actually find a way to fold the jacks but otherwise i think we're, we should be trying to get the chips in i mean when you have what is likely to be the best hand you know what opportunities to accumulate large amounts of poker chips don't come around very often and you aren't dealt a premium pocket pair very often 
you're not in a spot like this that much. You've got an overpair, and there are plenty of hands that can call you. If I bet, and one of my opponents has a 7 or a 6 or a hand like 6-5 or 4-tray or 6-4, you know, any of these like pair and a gut shot kind of hands or pocket 8s or pocket 9s or pocket 10s, we can get action, right? We might also be able to get action from hands like 9-8, open-ended, 10-9, two overs and a gut shot, and we're beating all of these hands with our jacks, so leading is fine. I also like checking since we didn't seize the moment and take control of this pot pre-flop. There's nothing wrong with just playing in flow. But yeah, it's okay to have some leads on this board for sure. And, you know, look, if we're going to play jacks this way, we may as well come out of hiding right now to do it. So we check and goodbye checks. He has nothing. And Krasowski now bets 35000 almost a full pot size bet. And goodbye folds. What to do with pocket jacks in this situation? Wow, this is tough. I mean, yeah, now it's starting to feel like Mr. Krasowski could actually have us beat. There are three pre-flop hands that beat us. Queens, kings, and aces. Um, He could also have pocket sevens, pocket sixes maybe, pocket trays maybe. I think it's very unlikely the way he has been playing so far that 5-4, suited or not, would be in his range. But I guess you can never really rule anything out. But I'd be more concerned with this large bet that I am sitting here behind a hand like pocket aces or kings. However, I'm sure not going to fold. So I call in Stefano's shoes, and he calls uh, as expected. So now the pot, and goodbye, of course, folds. Uh, the pot is now 106500 Krasowski... Alan Krasowski only has 131,000 behind. So we now have uh, just about 30% more than a pot size bet remaining heading into the turn, which comes the eight of diamonds. So our board is now seven of clubs, six of spades, tray of diamonds, eight of diamonds. And Stefano checks once again, checking is fine. Uh, and Krasowski goes all in, overbets the pot for the full 131. Now remember, guys, I mentioned before that this player has a propensity, uh, a tendency to get all in with hands that really don't warrant it. Uh, if Stefano is aware of that, then I don't think he can really fold jacks, even though th- this is starting to get a little bit scary. Look. I'm going to, you know, double this guy up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not... Jacks, to me, pocket jacks is too strong here. Uh, what do you tell me? You have 10-9. You turned a set with pocket eights. You flopped a set with pocket sevens. Uh, you have aces. I mean, all of those are things to worry about. But we also have tens and nines and bluffs that we can beat. This is not your typical older man, guys. This this player likes to get it in. So, uh, yeah, Jack's too strong to fold, but Stefano does fold, and I suppose I can't blame him. This one isn't as, you know, uh, infuriating as the other hand, obviously. That ace-king suited is unforgivable. But to me, I just think when you have a premium hand, you want to take control of the situation. Uh, when you have a short to medium stack, you can't be making huge laydowns because mistakes for a larger percentage of your stack 
are just bigger mistakes. I mean, look, if we fold the winner here, and this should have been our big double up moment, this Krasowski guy has been trying desperately to give his stack away for the last two hours, and we've been sitting here watching him do so. Uh, you know, folding the best hand here is just really, really bad. I would just be giving action. I'm not folding. You underrepresented the strength of your hand. And one reason to do so is to induce wild, loose action from players who have a tendency to give wild, loose action. So I would call. And if he's got the aces, you know, GG, sir, I'll play again next year. See you then. Good luck. I hope you make the final table. But yeah, I can't fold jacks. Not to this player. Not under these circumstances. So... Stefano does fold, and now I'm going to tell you guys that Krasowski had pocket nines. So he bet the full pot on the flop, probably because he was afraid of an overcard coming off that would make his life difficult on the turn. And then the turn was a really friendly open ender to go along with his overpair and just decided to shove. Again, probably assuming that his hand was good, and not wanting to see any more cards. So many times the uh, the blow-up type of players, what they're doing is they're just trying to avoid the looming, impending bad beat. And if they can you know, overcharge you to see any more cards and get you to fold, that's good. But if you think, I, I look, put it this way, I'm willing to bet my entire net worth that Alan Krasowski did not expect a better hand to fold. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Always appreciate you guys, all of your wonderful comments on Twitter at Clayton Comic, and of course the five star ratings on Spotify and those glowing five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, whatever it's called now, Apple, Apple, whatever, Apple. So uh, you guys are the best, and we appreciate you. And for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge. I'm Peyton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I want to hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart.
she can't read it My poker face She's got to love nobody Everybody can't 